All right, welcome everyone to another week of the Life Group Leader Podcast. This is Pastor Evan, and I'm here with Pastor Hayden. And here at Compass Bible Church, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, by for, by teaching people to be like Christ, and to train people to serve Christ. And everything that we do, including this podcast, is to fulfill that mission by reaching, teaching, and training so that, so that we can make disciples of Jesus Christ. All right, Pastor Hayden, we are in week two of our Christmas series, A Christmas at Compass in the Gospel of Matthew. Now, you're going to be preaching out of more than just one verse this time, but this is a lot of names, and as we were discussing before, we can go in a lot of directions. There is a lot of Bible here in the genealogies, and you made reference to this in your sermon last week, but what is the direction of your sermon that you're going to take us through as we dive into Matthew chapter 1. And before you do that, let me read Matthew 1, 2 through 11. Matthew 2, starting Matthew 1, beginning verse 2. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah, and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab the father of Nation, and Nation the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz, by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed, by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. And David was the father of Salmon, by the wife of Uriah. Solomon. Solomon. <laughs> I got that in. Solomon, by the wife of Uriah. And Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah, Josiah the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. Ooh, good Ooh. job. Wow. Well, we will be a, there'll be a quiz, a life group leader quiz for that after uh, service on Sunday. So be prepared. That's I'm, right. I'm just kidding. All right, Pastor. That is a lot of names. That is a lot of Bible. That is a lot of history. What is the direction that you want to take us for this sermon this Sunday? You know, as we continue this series about a new beginning, the God of promises, we need to remember that as we are going through uh, this genealogy, the family tree of Christ, we are going to do it in light of God's covenant-keeping promises. So as we go through uh, verses 2 through 11 right here, we're going to be looking at the Davidic line uh, in light of the covenants that are happening. And so this week, we're going to be looking at uh, God's promises, like what God is is doing in the life of Israel and for the whole world, for that matter. Uh, and we're going to look at God's law, His objective moral law through the Mosaic Covenant. Uh, we're going to look at everyone's moral culpability before God because of God's covenants. And in that part, we're going to be looking at how the even the best and the worst kings could not keep God's moral law and how it was always looking forward to a king who could fulfill that law. Uh, and then we're also going to look at the future hope, uh, obviously, in the advent of Christ, in the second coming of Christ, we have this future hope. And it's the same hope, uh, in essence, that they were looking for in the Old Testament that was fulfilled in Christ. And so uh, that's really how we're going to focus on uh, this week, is that we can have this great thanksgiving to God this Christmas, knowing that we have this unmerited favor, we have this grace extended uh, from God to us, even though that we realize, like even the best and worst kings, that we were 
unable to uh, fulfill the Mosaic law, and we were always lawbreakers, and that God had come to fulfill that law in Christ. Awesome. All right. So, Pastor Hayden, you mentioned to me earlier that you want to dive in to another covenant that you made reference to one of the sermons on Sunday. Do you want to talk about more about the Mosaic law? Yeah, something that we talked about a little bit uh, last week was the Mosaic Law. We didn't focus a ton on it because we were trying to look and zoom in on the Abrahamic Covenant and the Davidic Covenant uh, leading into the New Covenant. But the Mosaic Covenant is going to be really important for us, uh, especially as we dive into the problems that arise uh, throughout the, the line of David. Uh, and the Mosaic Covenant is important because it is the Ten Commandments. It's how we... Uh, Look at ourselves in the mirror. It's the moral law of God. And without us understanding the Mosaic Covenant, we're going to have a problem realizing the need for Christmas, the need for Christ coming to save us from our sins. And so the Mosaic Covenant is going to shed light on the need for a Savior because we see over and over again throughout uh, even the judges, throughout uh, the the kings and the divided kingdom and all throughout the prophets and the exiles and even the, the waiting uh, in Ezra and Nehemiah for this uh, fulfilled king. And even as we get into the, the, the New Testament and then the Gospels, seeing how much uh, everyone needed this uh, Mosaic law fulfilled and how Christ fulfilled that. And so we're going to be talking about Exodus 20 and the Ten Commandments uh, and how it was always God's plan to have a fulfillment of the Mosaic law. doesn't mean that it doesn't exist, that God still doesn't have a, Mosa- uh, a moral law anymore because Christ uh, fulfilled it, uh, but it does give us the promise that it is now fulfilled in Christ, and we're no longer held in judgment because we broke the moral law, uh, but we still do have the moral law, and it's good for us, it's important for us to look at it, to abide by God's word and his law, but then we have this a kingly a fulfillment in Christ of this particular law. Does that make sense, Pastor Evan? Makes a ton of sense. I hope so. <laughs> All right. So with the Mosaic Law, do you want to save Exodus 20 for the Sermon Sunday, or do you want to dive in right now? Yeah, we'll, we'll save that uh, for Sunday. Uh, just know that that's where we're going to go first in this sermon. And we're always going to look at all the Scripture references in light of how they arrive in the Mo- uh, in the Davidic line, like uh, we're going to be reading. And it's the it's during Nashon's life where we see the Exodus happening. Uh, and so Nashon was actually the leader of the tribe of Judah during the Exodus and the wilderness wanderings. And so that's how uh, this Mosaic line plays, or this Mosaic covenant plays right into line with the Davidic line. Uh, and understanding he was present there. And so God's divine providence is weaved in even the Mosaic law that, that, uh, the Abraham's offspring, David's offspring, and the great, 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 great grandfather of Christ was there during the giving of that law. And this all pointed onward for this coming of a Davidic Messiah who would save the world, not only give the land to Israel, but also to save people from their sins. Well, let's talk about some kings. Well, to give a quick reference and context, Deuteronomy 17, verses 14 to 20, gives the law about what kings are supposed to look like and do. They're supposed to lead. They're supposed to help shepherd the uh, Israel to follow God. And even they're supposed to write down their own copy of the law that's supposed to be uh, approved by the by the Levitical priesthood so that they can obey it, but also guide Israel to obey it. But the question is, did they? So Pastor Hayden, what is the first king that you want to talk about 
um, on this podcast so we can get our life group leaders ready for their life groups this Wednesday or this week. Yeah, one of the, the big things uh, that we're not going to do this Sunday is we're not going to go through every single king uh, in verses uh, 2 through 11. We're going to pick out two kings, hopefully that are familiar, at least one. We're going to talk about a really, really good king that everyone looks up to and loves, and it's King David. Uh, and then we're also going to look at a really bad king, King Manasseh, who you may be a little more unfamiliar with, but we'll dive into his life. And what we want to do here is say, hey, it was these kings who were supposed to uphold the Mosaic law and supposed to hold the Israel accountable to them. And he, they were the role model that everyone was going to look up to who was going to really bring uh, Israel uh, good fortune and victory and war and just kind of fulfill these promises that God had made Abraham uh, and David. And But what we're going to see here, and what's important for us to understand, is there is, there is no earthly person who could ever fulfill this completely. Uh, and I want to really, I hope, ravage your view of King David here. We all look at King David as a man after God's own heart and how he was such a great, uh, prestigious king and how he was so good. But what we're going to see here, and it's really what the New Covenant needs us to see and the Mosaic Covenant desires us to see, is that David was just an adulterer, murderer, deceiver who disobeyed God's direct commands throughout Scripture. And although that he was a man who was after God's own heart, he was still unable to fulfill any of the promises of God. And it was really God uh, keeping him in his own, uh, keeping him in God's own uh, uh, desires, keeping him in his own uh, covenant. And so I even want to show you here that David, even this king that everyone looks up to, uh, was was very bad. I mean, he did a lot of bad things. And uh, uh, David isn't the person who we're supposed to look to. It's it's Christ. It's the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant that God up, had upheld for David. Nothing that David did upheld that. It was all God. And so even this best king here uh, was still not anything that was supposed that was going to bring about any kind of uh, uh, renaissance or uh, the the coming of this fulfillment of the Abrahamic promises and the and the Davidic and the Mosaic law. Uh, and then Manasseh as well. I mean, we're going to look at the bad king here and, and looking at Manasseh. And you can go to Second Chronicles 33 uh, to find out the kind of how bad Manasseh really was. And, you know, he built altars uh, in the house of the Lord that, that were built for idols. And he even sacrificed his sons as offerings. Uh, and, I mean, he used fortune telling and omens and sorcery. He dealt with mediums and necromancers. I mean, the scripture literally says he did much evil in the sight of the Lord and he provoked God to anger. And what we really want to see here, the, the, really, the thrust of this to change the hearts and minds of our people at Compass is to say, hey, even the person in your mind who looks the best and even the person who looks the worst, they all needed Christmas. They all needed Jesus. And none of them could fulfill the promises of God outside of God fulfilling that. And what we want to see here is even David and Manasseh, David not in your mind not being that bad, Manasseh being so terrible, they still understood their moral culpability before God. And so at the ends of their lives, they both said, hey, you know what? We realize we're wrong. We realize we need to repent and turn from our sin. And that's really the, the thrust of the new covenant is that we just all need to repent and turn from our sin. No matter if we think we're just good people, we realize that no matter if we think we're good like David or terrible like Manasseh, we all have so much sin in our life. And what we need to do is turn from our sins and trust in Christ. And that's the, really the preaching thrust of this section here is we all have moral culpability before God. And it's so important that we understand that and that we trust in him. And something that we were talking about before is that the cool thing about this is that both guys, both men, David and Manasseh, they got this. And both of them, he, you'll elaborate more on this, but both of them 
repented. They recognized it and they were rightly responded to that. And a helpful tip, if you want to do your do homework to get ready for your life group to better understand the kings is the genealogy that Matthew uses to use um, for the kings right here is found in Second Chronicles. If you want to study up what each king did and what if they were did what was right in God's eyes or what did they did not do in right in God's eyes, Second Chronicles is the place to go because that's where Matthew goes. But if you'll notice, the he skipped some names. But we're going to address that later in the podcast. But before we do that, there is this uh, another section, Pastor Hayden, that you wanted to talk about, and it's the very last sentence or phrase of verse eleven of Matthew one, talking about how. It was the time of the exile to Babylon. Do you want to give us some uh, context here or guidance to get ready for our life group for, for Sunday and also for life group this week? Yeah, when we look at this last verse, you know, of course, we're expository preaching. We're going through uh, verses 2 through 11 here in Matthew 1, and uh, we focused in on the Mosaic Law there during Nashon. We've talked about David. We've talked about Manasseh. Now we're going to go to that last verse there as we look to the promises of God through Christmas when we look at the exile to Babylon. And in the exile to Babylon, what we want, we need to see here is how God really, uh, he, he laid down his judgment on, uh, on Israel uh, for disobeying the Mosaic law. And he sent them into captivity to Babylon, to, to the Babylons, to Babylonia, to uh, under the uh, direction of King Nebuchadnezzar. And we see here, and I, and I love it, we're going to talk about it a lot on Sunday, but just how God said, hey, listen, you're being disciplined. You have disobeyed the covenant, and you're going to be living in exile. But even in this, when, when you look uh, at the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah tells him, hey, here's what God says. God says that you need to be living underneath God's rule and God's law. God tells him, hey, go into exile, live obediently there, have kids, have jobs, pray for the, pray for Babylon because, hey, their health is your health. And so even though you're living in this exile, understand that God still has a plan. And God even says, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, you know this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. This was all in light of them living in exile. And what we need to see here as we look at the exile verse uh, in Matthew is that, that there is there was a hope that Israel was looking forward to that God would fulfill the Abrahamic covenant by bringing them back into the the land that they were just exiled from and they were still looking to the hope of Abraham because they said one day God's going to bring us back to this land that he took us out of because we wouldn't listen because we disobeyed because we sinned and we're going to bring God's going to bring them back and God and they also knew that if they were going to be brought back into this land they had to have a king and so they were still looking forward to that the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant and and even for us what is important is hey according uh, to first Peter we're still living in exile even in this own world. Of course, we have this promise of God in Christ, but we still live in this world that's sinful. We still live in Babylon, so to speak. And, and God's saying, hey, listen, uh, you, we know we have these promises. We know there's this commitment that I made to you that I'm going to come and I'm going to bring you to myself and you're going to live eternity in the promised land, but you still have a job to do. And your job is to live here on this earth, work, uh, have children, raise families, listen to my word, uh, obey me where you're at, but the promise isn't over yet. I'm going to fulfill that promise by bringing you back to me, and we still have a future hope. And so really that last verse there is all about us still sticking to this understanding that God is still going to fulfill his covenant promise even to us, just like he did uh, to Israel 
uh, when he made the covenant promises to them, he still has to fulfill the rest of his covenant promises to us in the new covenant by bringing us into his eternal kingdom. And something that's going to be very helpful for you to understand is that Matthew is playing into the ending of the Old Testament Bible. The last book of the Old Testament Bible is Second Chronicles. That's how the Jewish readers would have understood that. And at the end of both Kings and uh, Chronicles, it ends with Israel going into exile, as Pastor Aiden talked about. Why? Because of Israel's disobedience, especially their king's disobedience to obey the law, and they were exiled. And this was prophesied and foretold in Deuteronomy 30. It's like, you you will disobey, and I'll put you in exile, but I'll put a circumcised heart in you, and you will return, alluding to the new covenant from last week. But in 2 Kings 25, 27 to 30, in 2 Chronicles 36, 22 to 23, and this is what Matthew's alluding to in verse 11, is the end of uh, the books, where they're into exile, but there's hope. It ends with hope where first in, in Kings, in 2 Kings, Jeconiah is still alive. And this is hugely important that the line of David has not been cut off. It's not dead. It's still alive. And Matthew alludes to that through the next section of for next week about the next line of like, it's going, it, Jesus is the one. He's the line from Jeconiah. And then Chronicles ends, in Second Chronicles 36 ends with Cyrus declaring that Israel can rebuild its temple and allowing, okay, the, there is still hope and the exile is is starting to end. And that's really key. The exile is not done. We The the beginning of the end of the exile, it has started and Jesus continued to, to initiate that. But the exile will be completed when Jesus is reigning on the throne while in, in person. So it's, that's the hope as Christians, as Pastor Hayden alluded to, the hope as Christians is we are in exile, meaning we are still in a foreign land waiting for our home of the new heavens and new earth. We need to rightly respond with hope, and that's why the focus of Christmas with that. All right, Pastor Hayden, this is the next section of the difficult words and interpretations. Do you have a couple things that you want to talk about? Yeah, uh, there's just two things. One, uh, and you can read it in the Lexham Bible Dictionary, something P pointed out, was... uh, you're going to find people skipping generations in some of these genealogies, but remember, like we talked about, I think last week, when the Bible summarizes uh, aspects of Scripture, it doesn't make them invalid. It's just proving, hey, we're, this is a summary. Uh, in this particular area in the genealogy, there's a, a definition called telescoping, and it doesn't undermine the veracity of Scripture. Uh, it's just saying, hey, we've skipped over some genealogical uh uh, people in generations because we just want to get you, have help you understand the idea of this genealogy. We're not trying to give you this generation by generation by generation uh, historical record. We're just trying to help you understand uh, the lineage of Christ and just the uh, kingly heritage of Christ. And so you're going to deal with that. There isn't anything wrong with the scripture because they missed a couple of generations. Uh, Matthew's trying to prove a point which he was amply able to do uh, through the names that he did include. So that's important. You're going to have those questions, and there's your good answer for that. Uh, also, just the different covenants. We talked about the Abrahamic and Davidic covenant. God made these promises to two people, and it wasn't on uh, the people to keep these 
promises. God said, hey, I'm going to do this. And Abraham didn't do anything. He just went along with what God had told him to do. David, likewise, uh, even though David sinned, uh, the Davidic promise was not taken away from him. The king, uh, the kingship was not taken away from him. Uh, that's different, though, when we talk about the Mosaic Covenant, because the Mosaic Covenant was uh, what you would call a treaty between two parties. And so you had this treaty between God and Israel who said, hey, if you listen to my law, I'm going to bless you. If you disobey my law, I'm going to curse you. And you actually see this happening. Anytime Israel obeyed the Mosaic, all the Ten Commandments, God blessed them and made them fruitful and abundant. But when uh, Israel disobeyed the Mosaic law, he sent them into exile and he punished them. And so what we need to see is this the difference between these two covenants as we talk about them. Uh, and that's a, a reason why Christ came to uh, fulfill all of these covenants, but in specific to us of importance is the Mosaic Covenant, because God uh, in Christ filling that Mosaic Covenant for us was so important because it was a law that we could not fulfill. And so this treaty that God had made with people has now been uh, has now been codified in two parties now that God had came and he made this promise. Now Christ, God in Christ has come and cauterized this promise by saying, hey, Jesus has now made it possible for us to have this uh, covenant fulfilled when we could have never done that. And although Abraham's covenant would be fulfilled through Abraham's seed, David's covenant would be filled through David's seed, uh, Christ needed to come fulfill all three of these covenants, and that's what he had done through the Mosaic law. Also why it's important for us to still live understanding that the Mosaic law is God's moral law. God didn't abolish his law. Uh, Christ came to fulfill that particular law. Uh, P, we're really getting close to the end here, uh, and so uh, what uh, we need to understand here at the next level of application is this is a season of hope, right? We understand that Jesus did the work to fulfill these covenants, but we still live in the work of Christ, which means uh, since Christ didn't abolish the law, he came to fulfill it, that this law is still so important for us. Reasons why you don't, you obey your mom, your mom, your mom and dad, that you uh, worship the Lord your God, that you don't make idols, that you don't lie, you know, all of these things. We don't murder. You know, these are laws because they're moral laws. They don't go away. You know, we still have to obey the law. As even as First Peter says, we have to be holy as God is holy. And so this is a season of hope. Uh, we still live under under this law, understanding that we have to obey God's word, although we are no longer judged by the law because we have this eternal redemption in Christ. Uh, but on that note, let's talk a little bit about resources. P.E., can you quickly say uh, two resources that you would like uh, our life group leaders to have or to know about? Just like last week, the Lexham Bible Dictionary is going to be very helpful. Their article by Martin Shields on genealogies was extremely helpful to better understand biblical genealogies and the purpose of them. And also a book that I really love um, is called Four Portraits, One Jesus, A Survey of Jesus and the Gospels. It's a thick book by uh, Mark Strauss, but it's a very, very helpful book to better understand all four Gospels and how even though there's four of them, they're all painting the picture of one Jesus. All right, Pastor Hayden, what else did you have? Uh, there's a lot more, and um, we may get to some next week, but here's what I would like you to to know or to have in your mind as resourceful is uh, what you need. If you're saying, man, I'm having a hard time following along with studying, I'm having a hard time following along with being able to learn more, and I just feel like there's a lot of gaps in my understanding. Here's some three quick, easy resources that you need to have a well-rounded view on, on a lot of uh, broad topics of Scripture. One, you need a study Bible, and we've talked about that. An ESV study Bible, the Lexham study Bible, the MacArthur study Bible, uh, that just helps give you quick notes to everything that you read in Scripture. You can read the verse, look down, look at the Bible study notes. It helps you get a quick reference. 
Uh, dictionaries are great because you're like, what is the new covenant? Well, get open up your Bible dictionary and look up new covenant. And it tells you, uh, it gives you an article on uh, the new covenant and it gives you further resources if you want to dig even deeper. But having a Bible dictionary gives you more than study Bible notes and gives you less than jumping into all these technical commentaries and areas. So having a good Bible dictionary would be helpful. And then finally, having a concise Bible commentary on the whole Bible would be great. You can find them in one volume, two volume, three volumes. And what it does is, hey, I don't, maybe you are not scholarly type or you don't have a whole room dedicated to all these commentaries. Well, there are concise Bible commentaries that can help you get a really good view on everything. And your dictionaries will point you toward these anyway. Your Bible dictionary will to give you good, concise Bible commentaries, you can find them online. You can find them at your bookstore. Just a concise one, two, three volume commentary. So you can have three resources that really will help you give a good understanding about anything you need to know about the Bible in just three quick, easy resources. So make sure you have yourself a good study Bible, a good Bible dictionary, and a good, concise Bible commentary set on the whole Bible. And that would be my help to you. If you need help with finding particular ones, let Pastor Evan and I know and we can help you do that. All right, and finally, some really great announcements that we have. Uh, one, uh, Christmas at Compass is is here. We are going to celebrate even this weekend our uh, Compass Kids Christmas Choir, which we hope you guys will join us for that. Uh, December 18th, we are having our churchwide outreach on the 18th at 10 a.m., starting at the Lifehouse building. And we want you to know you need to be inviting people now, but what we want you to do is bring all of your life group there on the 18th at 10 a.m. And we're going to go and we're going to reach this community. We're going to invite people to Christmas Eve service. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to hopefully see people come to know Christ, get plugged into church, jump into discipleship. And so God can be glorified and people can be conformed into the image of Christ. This is an exciting opportunity in the life of our church. And I want everybody there. I want everyone to share in the opportunity of God's of seeing God's redemptive plan uh, come to fruition here in New Braunfels. And so be there for that. We have uh, also have Christmas Eve service that we're inviting people to. Uh, it's going to be uh, out of Matthew 2 is the preaching sermon. We're going to talk about the wise men, and we're going to talk about taking God at his word. We're going to have three services, 12 p.m., 1.30, and 3 o'clock, and we want to fill those services out. We want to see hundreds of people come hear the gospel uh, on Christmas Eve. So be working to even now in your workplace, any meetings that you have, any, any places you're going, invite people to church. And we're going to have child care from zero to four years old for that. And so anybody older than that, we're going to have a family Christmas service for them. So be there for that. We're looking forward to it. And I'm praying for you guys as you're leading this week that you would lead faithfully, that you would be encouraging and exhorting and encouraging all of our people at our church through your life groups. And we do look forward to hearing much about how God is using your group uh, to advance the gospel here in New Braunfels. 